Welcome. This is Dog Central on a Wednesday night. I am Graham Coffey. And look, look who that is. Hey. That's John Smith. What's happening, everybody? News of your demise has been greatly exaggerated. <laughs> it has been. It has been. I'm alive and well, ready to talk some ball. It's been a while since I've joined you, Graham. I'm glad uh, to be back. I'm glad to have you back, man. Um, yeah. How's your summer been going? It's been good. Lots of uh, busyness with family um, things, but it's been great. Nice. And uh, before we get into our, our big slew of questions from the chat and subscribers, uh, was there anything that particularly stood out to you from uh, SEC Media Days last week? Man, so many things stood out to me from SEC Media Days. Um, I I think what's what's interesting, Nick Saban, so I think some other folks have talked about this, but um, Nick Saban seemed more relaxed than I've probably seen him in forever, um, which is always interesting. You know, talking about his vacation to Italy, talking about it was, which was pretty funny, by the way, saying, you know, yeah, it's a great time. There's lots of good stuff to see. It's like, Saban, it's, it's Italy, bro. Um, yeah. You know, but it's, Warren you sucks. can tell, exactly. You can tell, you can tell the man doesn't vacation very much the way he's talking about a 50th anniversary trip to Italy. Like, oh, yeah, it's, there's so many things to see. I recommend anybody if you get the chance to go. It's like, yeah, yeah, you should. Um, but no, I, I I think seeing him relaxed, I think seeing, you know, um, Hugh Freeze back was really interesting. Um, but overall, I think there was no surprises. I mean, I think it's media days. I think everybody came with their kind of agenda and their pitch. And um, now it's now it's time to get on the ball. So, yeah, Hugh Freeze was back <clears> and uh only got asked questions about football, you know, yeah. like that, that was, uh, I, yeah. you know, I mean, I don't know, whatever your opinion of Hugh Freeze is, uh, it, it was kind of like, just for me, very, very, uh, dro- kind of drove the point home of like, yeah, mm-hmm. we're about to get back to football. So absolutely. Um, I'm excited. Uh, one thing that Georgia fans are excited about and should be excited about, uh, Justin Williams, number one linebacker in the class of 2024, just committed to the dogs. Um, really big get for Georgia and Kirby Smart. Like, I feel like Georgia gets a five-star linebacker every year now. It's been four straight years that they've done that. And there's only been nine five-star linebackers in that time period. But uh, this one felt maybe a little more significant than others just because you're talking about a kid out of Texas and uh, – you're, you're probably about to lose DeMarcus Riddick out of your class. What mm-hmm. were your impressions of the Justin Williams news? Well, I mean, my my impressions are uh, really two things. Glenn Schumann is absolutely um, the best recruiter in the country at his uh, position. Um, and up there, you know, when you look at the hall that he's pulled in over the last couple of years, um, you know, he's up there with – Todd Hartley and Brian Hartline and all the guys who are absolutely just pulling in, um, pulling in beasts. I think Justin Williams, um, I was, a I was a little surprised to be honest, not surprised that he would want to come play at Georgia, but, but that, that linebacker room is absolutely insane right now. It is absolutely stacked. And to not only have a room that is stacked with, you know, three of the top 10 linebackers in the country joined, uh, 
last, you know, this, this last year's class. Um, but to have the number one linebacker say, yeah, I want to come in. I want to compete. Um, I want to, you know, join that room that's stacked. Um, and you got two guys that, you know, small Munden and Jamon Dumas Johnson, who <laughs> are probably going to lead the way uh, for this year. Right. So you've got all of these guys who are stacking up in that room and, um, but, but not surprised that anybody at that caliber will want to come play for Glenn Schumann. I mean, he's the best, absolutely the best at his, at his position in, in the country. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's, it's him and Heartline, mm-hmm. like you said. Yeah. And I think for Georgia with Williams, you know, I, I think mm-hmm. what's exciting about him is that his game is kind of like this, you know, he's got the length and the athleticism mm-hmm. of a Mondin, but mm-hmm. he arrives with the pad level and the speed of like a Tyndall or, you know, I, I hesitate to ever bring up Roquan Smith's name, but mm-hmm. there are some things he does on tape that are reminiscent of Roquan. So, yeah, I mean, it, even in all of this linebacker talent that George has brought in, he is the highest rated linebacker recruit in the history of the program. We'll see if that holds through the rest of the rankings and, you know, all that stuff seems to change weekly now. Uh, but <laughs> Uh, a really, really talented player. Like, you know, mm-hmm. even if you take positional value out of it, um, he might be the most talented player in Georgia's 2024 class right now. Like, mm-hmm. the guy is a absolute freak show of a linebacker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's not there's not much you can say. When you're – I don't think people realize there's not – what it what you have to have naturally from athleticism – your instincts, the way that you um, show up and play to be a five-star linebacker, right? I mean, that's that that not only just not only to be a five-star, but be the number one linebacker in the country. That is a position that um, it, it's it's interesting because a lot of positions, the way that recruiter the recruiting ranking sites do these positions, you know, you can kind of say, well, that guy, you know, is a five-star because of his measurables or whatever. But linebackers, like you, you actually. You know, it, it is hard to get in that into that echelon of five star linebackers. Um, not many people yeah. uh, make it into there from even from these recruiting ranking services. So to be that high um, truly speaks to the caliber of the of Justin Williams. But also, you know, you mentioned it. I mean, the highest linebacker, uh, the highest ranked linebacker recruit um, in Georgia history. I mean, that's it's just wild when you start thinking about who's in that, who's in that group. So, yeah, it is, it's, it's definitely crazy to look at it and think about it. Um, Mm -hmm. another thing that's a little bit crazy is, uh, news breaking today that Colorado is, has reached out to the big 12 about, uh, maybe coming back home. This would be like the first, I think time in, in realignment history that we've seen somebody leave and then come (laughs) back, which, I think it's beautiful, man. If you oh, yeah. love something, yeah. let it go. See if it returns to you. The Big 12 mm-hmm. did. Colorado loves the Big 12, apparently. Um, <laughs> I, I'm i all for this move. I, I'm 100% pumped for this. Like I, I want to see it. I want to see Colorado playing teams that border Colorado more often. You know, I, like, <laughs> I know that Colorado is out west with the rest of the Pac-12, but it's really not. Most of that conference is literally on the Pacific seaboard. And then I just think it'd be interesting to see them with access to, 
Texas recruiting as Deion Sanders is in there. Like, I think Colorado is one of those teams that they sort of popped up out of nowhere in the early 90s. So no one really hates them, save for mm-hmm. maybe a few people in the state of Nebraska. Yeah. And even them, I think, like, try to be like, no, that's not our real rival. So mm-hmm. I think it's it's more fun when they're good. And, you know, whether it's with Dion at the helm or not, I think that going to the Big 12 is probably – the the healthiest move for their football program at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, I think you also look at um, Brett Yormark. Sorry, Josh what? saying Brett and Murphy reporting Colorado it's, official. Is it official? Wow. Is wow. it official? Breaking um, news. Breaking news. Well, uh, I mean, Brett Yormark, the dude, so what he's putting together in the Big 12 Conference is a um, – collection of teams that are built on um, very marketable brands and very marketable uh, regions and very marketable personalities. And the guy, it's not surprised, you know, he was, he was um, rock nation CEO and president of business operations. He comes from um, an an entertainment and sports background. And yeah. And I think, uh, I think when you, when you, you know, ran Jay-Z's entertainment company, um, and also had you know sports uh, experience in your background. Um, it's it's just an interesting mix of what he's doing of what he's doing with uh, rock, with the Big Twelve, man. yeah, <laughs> with the big uh, the Big Twelve. And so I I think the Big Twelve. I mean, we the Big Twelve is putting the Pac twelve in a, there's stuff in the Pac twelve in a locker right now. It is mm. like I mean it's it's wild. Um, I thought the worst thing that could happen uh, to the to the Pac-12, and it's probably probably is still the worst thing, is for USC USC and UCLA to go to the Big Ten. But then you throw in that um, your turnaround and losing Deion Sanders, which is one of the one of the few marketable things you have, truly marketable things you have right now in the Pac-12. When you look at like a nationwide cachet that people would be interested in, and I know they're yeah. probably not losing them, you know, they're not losing them like right now. But dude um, didn't even come to his first media days. Yeah, but it's uh, it's yeah, it's it's wild, um, wild to see that was and that happened pretty quick. I mean, like, yeah, uh, in like an hour and a half, apparently. So, <laughs> well, so that's, I mean, that's interesting. What does this mean for the Pac-12 is kind of my question. I think if mm-hmm. you look at, uh, yeah, our guy Harry says uh, stick a fork in the Pac-12. You might be right, Harry. Um, but at the same time, there's still like, all that Phil Knight money up there in the Pacific mm-hmm. Northwest. Washington is a, a good program. Just had a 10 win season mm-hmm. beat Texas in a bowl game. Um, where do those teams go is kind of the question. And I think the really interesting implications, you know, for the purpose maybe of, of this show, like we, mm-hmm. I think you and I both are very big fans of all college football. We watch, college football from across the country but um if you're a georgia fan like why does this matter why do you care about it i think the answer to that is probably that this could very quickly turn into like an arms race of sorts right Mm -hmm. where the uh the remnants of the old pac-12 like if the big 10 starts scooping up a couple of those schools then uh does the sec feel the need to act and we go down this like 
Cold War path of mutually assured destruction where we we have the Super League thing pan out? Yeah. Or does the Big 12 become a – I mean, that would put the Big 12 at, what, 15 teams now with Colorado? That That's probably not going to work, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, the big the Big Twelve the Big Twelve is not done. They can't be done. Um, uh, you know, for me, I I don't know what I don't know what the Pac twelve. So if you look at what's been happening with the Pac twelve, so they've been fiddling around with a TV deal. You have schools who don't really know what kind of money they're actually going to be making for media rights. You have now uh, three schools that have bailed for other conferences. Um, but to your point, I mean, the Pac-12, if they want to try to keep it alive, then they do have a good – still have a decent foundation. But who are you going to bring in? I mean, you know, it's like who, who are you going to bring into that to that group um, that's going to provide, you know, significant value, especially now that you're, you're in this uh, kind of weird spot of still trying to negotiate um, – a media rights deal. And so I think the next, you know, the, the only thing uh, that I think the PAC 12 can do at this point is try to, is try to recruit, um, is try to recruit, you know, as many uh, folks as they can to see. But I, but I think, I think both the big 12 and the PAC 12 are to Josh's point. I mean, I think both of those conferences are, kind of a mess it's like now the big 12 is you're losing texas and oklahoma you're you know you're replacing that with houston and ucf and like colorado and it's becoming all of these conferences are are a mess at this point so what's going to happen we know what's going to happen i mean the sec and the big 10 are going to keep expanding we're ended up in a situation where we have two conferences that have 20 teams each um and and they're going to form their own leagues basically is what's going to end up happening over the next you know uh five or six years um in my opinion because i i think there's no there's no disincentive at this point to not continue expanding um at this point it's like you can only continue to create value um when you are already you know kind of building you, you've already broke out of any regional semblance of conferences you're already breaking out of any uh kind of historical semblance of conferences and so at that point um it feels like all bets are off it is and you know i i think what's really interesting about this whole situation happening right now at this time is that we're also about to go into this new Uh, 12-team playoff era, and that is going to have this, you know, the the first two years of that are the only two years that, like, it's assured that we will have the the rules around the format that we have, like, with Mm -hmm. the the automatic bids for conference champion uh, and, you know, the the G5 entry for the top-ranked G5 team and all of that, so... Like in two years, um, the Pac-12 is probably going to be losing their their opportunity to have an automatic bid into the playoff. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll see, right? Like yeah. that's that's definitely on the table. And then mm-hmm. you have a situation where, like, if the SEC or the Big Ten or the Big Twelve doesn't like some of these rules. You know, like now you're moving into an era with less conferences and it's just like when power consolidates, 
usually different things happen. And so I'm very interested to see, you know, what, what becomes of some of the, the caveats that are attached to this 12 team format, like, or, or mm-hmm. is someone going to threaten to, to break away or, you know, is, is the SEC and the big 10 going to look at everybody and be like, if you guys don't do this the way we want to do it, then we'll just, just go and do this ourselves. Right. Um, I mean, I think they're kind of, I mean, Greg Sankey is kind of doing some of that anyway. Like, I think they're, I mean, you know, right. he hasn't done anything major in terms of, you know, but the whole Texas and Oklahoma deal was under the table, behind the scenes. No one had any inkling that it was going on. And I think what's happening is you do see, you, you see two conferences that are, that have built enough cachet and more importantly, enough um, actual cash um, to, to kind of dictate, um, what's going to happen. And so, yeah, I don't see any way, I don't see any way with a 12 team playoff. I don't see any disincentive for the big 10 and the sec to continue expanding. There's no disincentive for them to just continue adding teams, just keep adding teams, keep stockpiling. Um, because at the end of the day, this, you're getting to a point where you can, you can start dictating kind of your terms um, when it comes to postseason, when it comes to bowls, when it comes to all of these things, I just don't see any disincentive for them to, to keep adding. Yeah. I think that's, I think you summed it up pretty well. And I, mm-hmm. I think the, the interesting part about this is just, uh, I think this is kind of sad in a way, man, like the, the, the college football that we grew up with and, that you know like i loved uh this is kind of this this season really is sort of the last like season of college football in the format that i've known it to be in my entire life you know with without a 12 team playoff and with five power five conferences and and just sort of the traditional colors drawn in the traditional lines but uh, it change is always inevitable with anything, especially with the amount of money that's getting thrown into this sport. And let's be honest, uh, the sport is owned by corporate media entities at this point, right? Like ESPN and Fox and, uh, and you know, to a lesser extent, CBS, NBC, like everyone has a large stake in this. And the, mm-hmm. you know, the college football playoff is a television show. It is not a, um, it's not anything else really like, mm-hmm. yes, we happen to have some football around it, but they just want more games to sell to TV. Um, if you are interested in uh, supporting uh, college football media that is not owned by a large corporate entity, check us out at dogcentral.com. Uh, you can find all of the latest UGA Intel and analysis uh, thoughts and musings for myself. John is all around lots of other great creators. Uh, the guys from my got a podcast and hundred Sanford and uh, an ever growing team of recruiting reporters that are young and hungry. So come check us out there and uh, fall camps firing up soon. So going to be lots and lots to talk about in the month of August as we head into the season. Um, shifting this back into the Georgia side of things. Uh, we have a question here about Dejan Edwards. Um, basically, you know, do you think Dejan Edwards will be drafted after this year? And if yes, what range do you think he could go? Do you want to fire away? Man, I don't – Here, what I'll say is I have no idea mm. when mm-hmm. it comes to running backs. 
and the NFL these days have no clue what the value is, have no clue what what they're looking for. Um, you know, you have running backs in the league now actually going and holding press conferences about what they're being paid. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's a wild time to be a running back um, going into the draft. So at the end of the day, I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I think Dejan Edwards is a good player. I think he's I think he's he's absolutely um a really strong runner. He has good division, um, he has good athleticism. Um I don't know if that's enough in twenty twenty four to be right. an NFL running back draft pick. I just don't. Um and so I think what you're seeing is the gap is continuing to widen between what the NFL is looking for in a running back and what um college teams still value in a running back and how they still utilize running backs. And so I think the way that Georgia utilizes their running backs, even in Todd Munkin's system, um, honestly, I, I, I don't know that you're in a place where um, you have to be, you have to be an absolutely exceptional running back um, based on the way that Georgia uses the backs in their system to end up being drafted in my opinion. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, look I, at Kenny McIntosh. Kenny McIntosh is a good example, right? Where Kenny McIntosh, if you look at kind of the prototypical, if you say, you know, how how does uh, the the league want to use running backs, you look at Kenny McIntosh, you're like, it's an athletic guy. Um, he's, he's quick. He's got twitch. He can catch out of the backfield. Um, he can do all of these things, and he ended up being a seventh-round pick. And so right. that's the that's the challenge with the league right now when it comes to running backs. Uh, yeah, and I think you know with with Edwards, um, he does run hard and do all those things you're talking about. But mm-hmm. you know, I think maybe lacks the the high high end speed of mm-hmm. of some other guys that will. I mean, running backs are a dime a dozen, like you were yep. just kind of referencing. I think the other thing that's hard about projecting him is. Uh, you know how how healthy does Georgia's running back room stay this year? Because there is a world where, uh, you know, like we know Branson had the foot thing in spring mm-hmm. practice, and then like Kendall Milton, you know, knock on wood, I hope he stays healthy for an entire fifteen game season, but he hasn't to this point in his career, yeah. and yeah. so. You know, there there is a world maybe where uh, you get to a point in the season where where Dejan Edwards is your only like fully healthy back with mm-hmm. Andrew Paul working his way back from uh, ACL surgery. So in that scenario, yeah, maybe he's toting the rock twenty five times a game, and uh, people get eyeballs on him, and yeah, and that helps him. But uh, I think the best thing he can do for himself to get drafted is to catch passes uh, mm-hmm. this season. I think that that is a skill that you kind of almost have to have in the NFL these days, unless you're just like a, yeah. a Derrick Henry esque type monster that like is just so incredible at, at bowling through people that doesn't really matter. Um, yeah. So that's, that's my opinion on it. I think we'll, we'll see, but um, mm-hmm. my guess is my guess is honestly that, the answer if he is drafted like in 2023 we're took we're talking like fifth to seventh round like i don't yeah, see him yeah. being a Agree. high Agree. round prospect right now um yeah. 
Okay. Dog God with a banger here. Uh, dog, God. He, dog God. You know, uh, yeah, it would it would be better if he spelled God G-A-W-D. Damn. Oh, just a little. There's a little tip. That you can is have that one for free. Dog Oof. God. Then you got a palindrome thing. No, is that what's uh, the... not not quite. You got a DW at the end. A w, oh, that's right. End, but right. but pretty close. Yeah. Close. A dyslexic palindrome. Um, <laughs> we should be in lots of blowouts and have lots of backups playing in garbage time. Uh, we in the scenario is the University of Georgia football team. In case you're wondering, uh, what backup slash third string guys can you see parlaying productive garbage time into increased reps and rotations? Okay, listen. I don't know. I don't know who Dog God is, but he obviously hasn't heard that Georgia's going seven and five. <laughs> and so I think someone needs to make sure that we spread the word that Georgia's going seven and five. We're not going to be in all these blowouts. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to be lucky to be bowl, bowl eligible. But if we if Georgia happens to uh, be in some blowouts, um, I, I'm excited to see. Uh, I mean, I guess we could, we should probably do maybe both sides of the ball, right? Because um, instead of trying to conflate, but um, you know, but I'm excited. I, I I'm excited to see when you go th- back up third string guys. Um, I'm excited to see some of the wide receivers that Georgia has. Uh, you know, Anthony Evans, Zed Haynes. Yeah. Um, some of those guys, uh, really, really excited to see them hopefully get some time, uh, to, to maybe take the top off of it a little bit. Um, really excited to see, uh, some of these, you know, younger, um, linemen. I think it's going to be interesting. The offensive line competition, especially if Georgia gets into some blowouts, um, in those first few games, um, I think that's going to be really interesting to watch where you have, you know, especially guys like you have, you know, Austin Blasky and Dylan Fairchild and, um, you know, some of those guys that are trying to buy for some playing time, potentially for starting roles as you get further into the year. Um, so I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to see on the offense side of the ball, the wide receivers and the offensive line get some productive garbage time. Yeah, I think that's, you know, there's definitely a lot of young talent there. And uh, let's be honest, like, it feels like offensive line depth is always the hardest thing to develop in, yeah. in any football program. Um, I mean, look at Alabama the last couple of years. Like, they've they've had a hard time developing frontline offensive line depth, much less a two deep. So, mm-hmm. if, if Georgia can get those guys snaps, I think it's really key. Uh, and, you know, you got Monroe Freeling who was a five-star offensive tackle in this last cycle. Like, you you know, uh, at media days, Van Pran shouted out Alu Ba as being a guy that's, like, come on really hard. And, like, I yeah. was like, that's that surprises me, you know. Like, not that I got it, no, no offense to Alu, but I just, yeah. like, wasn't the dude that was on the mm-hmm. forefront of my mind. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's always interesting because I think that, there's a lot, especially with these young linemen, like there's such dramatic uh, body transformations that happen this time of year, like mm-hmm. in, during the off season when, when we don't see these guys on the field for eight months that uh, they'll all look very different. Um, for me, in terms of some names that I think like might be able to parlay some time into actual starting snaps, um, 
Yazid Haynes is one of them. You mentioned him earlier, but mm-hmm. like the, the re- reviews on him continue to be very stellar. And uh, yep. I think like that dude can just move. And anytime you can move, like it's hard to keep you off the field because you can just go run a fly pattern and maybe it's an easy six. Um, yeah. I, I mean, the dude, the dude, yeah, Yazid Haynes runs a four, three, seven, 40 or something. Like the guy can absolutely fly. Yeah, it's yeah, so he yeah, I think it is hard. Georgia's to... first team DBs uh, yep. in bowl practices last year. So, yep. like, exactly. Um, no. And then I think the the one that uh, is probably the most obvious for me would be like whoever the the second string boundary corner is. <laughs> like, I guess the third guy in that room. Like, we know Lasseter yeah. is is going to be the number one corner there. But there's three guys competing mm-hmm. for the starting yeah. spot across from him with with Nylon Green and Everett and Everett, uh, Humphrey, Julian and AJ Harris. You know, like there's all these guys. Um, so I want to see what they look like because, I mean, they yeah. were like all five star <laughs> guys that were close to it, and mm-hmm. um, you just you just never know. Like I, I think Georgia's had tremendous injury luck the last two years for the most part um maybe not tremendous but it's been pretty good and we'll see what happens if uh if they don't you know do you have any other names that you're excited to see on offense or defense i mean i'm excited to see i'm excited to see uh see how much time guys like Jordan Hall and Damon Wilson some of those guys you know i mean at the end of the day georgia has just hauled in um, some amazing recruiting classes over the last two or three years. And so you've got a lot of people in that backup and third spot that um, if you get some blowout time, I'm just, I'm just always excited to see some of those guys. Um, the linebackers are one that we didn't talk about, but like would love to see CJ Allen, um, you know, get some, yeah. get some productive garbage times. Even sorry, see, you know, what, see where, how he's progressing, where he is like, um, EJ Lightsey is another one. I mean, we can just keep naming names. It's just at the end of the day, um, there's a lot of guys that I'm really excited to see. Yeah, well, uh, it's, it's interesting you bring up linebackers because mm-hmm. our friend June Recruiting Fearmonger has a question about them. Um, he asks about Smile Mondin. Uh, mm-hmm. He says, if Mondin can't go the first four to five games of the year, how do you see the inside linebacker room painting out and then uh, do you put Jalen Walker ahead of Lightsey and the freshman? Does this impact how much work he gets at offensive linebacker? Is Sori a lot to start? June recruiting figure has major concerns here. Uh, major concerns. Um, so, yeah, I think if – let's – I would be shocked – not shocked. I would, I would be a little bit surprised if Mondin was just totally on the shelf for five games. But mm-hmm. – um, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Foot injuries are really tricky, honestly. So mm-hmm. maybe I shouldn't be that surprised because they're just fickle. But um, I think that Georgia came out of fall camp with uh, – I, I thought Xavier Sori was maybe the guy, like, next to Dumas Johnson. Um, certainly yeah. looked that way on G-Day. And, that like, the, mm-hmm. the C.J. Allen buzz is extremely real as is the Raylan Wilson buzz, but, but 
Yeah. You, you, the quarter like, is the court it's the quarterback of the defense, right? Like there's so much that you have to young, know yeah. to play that position, no matter how good you are and athletic uh, you are. It's 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 like the quarterback of the defense. There's just so much that you have to awareness that you have to build in and perception, understanding offensive formations and all those things. Um, I don't expect uh, I don't expect CJ Allen or Raylan Wilson to be the next guy up if Mondon yeah if Mondon can't go for sure I think Lightsy Lightsley is the one to look at um yep there a couple yep. people at times during spring practice that were like I think that dude might be the number three linebacker on the team um mm-hmm. so which is incredible like mm-hmm. just kind of from where he he was a couple years ago um and I, I think I'm interested to see what we hear about him in fall camp, but yeah, uh, it is. A, I, I have a very much the same question about Jalen Walker um, because you know he he does like have the talent to to come off the edge and be like kind of more like a Dallas Turner type player, yeah. Yeah. but he's also like six two instead of six four, so he's mm-hmm. not going to be a traditional like. NFL style pass rusher or whatever. Um, And he was out for spring with the labor injury. Mm -hmm. And all we know is that he was working in the meeting rooms with, with both positions. So we'll see where he's getting his reps this fall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. In your personal preference, who are the two guys you want the most in the class of 2024 that are currently uncommitted? Woo. Um, are these, maybe we should talk about act. Are, are we talking about realistic targets? Are we talking about, <laughs> are we talking about guys? that? Yeah. I mean, it's like, can we, can we talk about guys that it's like, Hey, if we could just wave a magic wand, uh, we probably should talk about realistic whatever you targets. want. Yeah. I think we should talk about realistic targets. Um, I'll let you go first. Who, who's on your list? So, yeah, from a realistic standpoint, I think number one would be uh, Williamson Winnery. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm using this time to fold this question in. Latest on Williamson Winnery's recruitment <laughs> was yeah. one of the questions that we were asked. Um, I, I think this is down to Georgia and Mizzou. Um, and, you know, we, I, I put an update on the board about it today. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Go check us out on dogcentral.com. Um, but I would put him on your list of, of your two guys that you want the most that are uncommitted. And then I would, uh, oh man, it's like, like, I don't think George is getting Jeremiah Smith, right? Like, I think that yeah. he's continued to, you know, kind of slide away into other places. And so I, I think Georgia does still need a, wide receiver elsewhere in this class. Um, so I either, either Wingo or McClellan, the two Missouri kids, um, yep. that would be my answer. And I don't really have a strong opinion on one over the other. Uh, I think they're both pretty good players. And then I guess for the one that's committed elsewhere, um, I'll say Jeremiah Smith, just because like, I think that dude is one of the best receiver prospects we've seen in a decade plus. Yeah. Yeah. I would say if I, if I, that was going to be my answer. If we, if we could just wave a magic wand and say, Hey, guys that are recruited elsewhere, 
that Georgia may not actually be in play with anymore. Um, Jeremiah Smith would be on that list. Um, I like Williams. Noir, um, I can't say his last name, but I like him. Um, I think for me to, uh, I think Georgia has a really good chance of getting him, but uh, I like, I really like Nate Frazier's game um, running back out of uh, modern day. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, you know, I think, at the end of the day, it's Georgia has gotten about everyone <laughs> that they wanted at the positions in this class. The biggest gap right now for me, it would be wide receiver. So Jeremiah Smith, if we can't get Jeremiah Smith, Wingo be absolutely fantastic. The challenge, I think people, you know, like Williams, Nwari, um, and some of those Missouri kids, Missouri has um, a law, a state law, where if you're in high school, you can start earning on NIL endorsement deals as long as you're committed to a public university in the state of Missouri. So these Missouri kids, if they commit to Missouri, then they can go ahead and start earning on NIL endorsement deals while they're still in high school through their last year of high school. So uh, people wonder a little bit like, why are some of the why is Missouri in play for some of these kids? And some of it is, you know, they're Missouri kids, but a right. lot of it is the those NIL laws um, are very conducive to keep to getting those guys to commit to in-state schools and going ahead and signing endorsement deals and earning on those endorsement deals while they're still in high school. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, uh, if you are if you're still it's it's an interesting law, and I think that's like why the, mm-hmm. the, the Missouri type law is why you hear some some coaches and administrators asking mm-hmm. for regulation from Congress. I personally think like if if your plan is to let Congress come up with the plan, then you you don't have a plan, and you know you're getting paid too much for nothing. But listen, uh, t- Brett Brett McMurphy tweeted this this week about. Uh, Tommy Tuberville weighed in on NIL law. Who would be, you know, he's he's in he's in uh, the the legislature in Washington D.C. and would be someone that would likely be involved with any NIL like regulation. Tommy Tuberville left Texas Tech in the middle of a recruiting visit to go to Cincinnati. Like this is a guy <laughs> we're talking about, you know, getting giving a governmental body. Um, oversight over rules around NIL and earnings and all those things um, for, and one of the guys that would likely be involved actually bailed on his current school in the middle of a recruiting visit uh, to go to another school. So it's just wild. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Um, (laughs) I know. Right. It's like, wow. Okay. (laughs) So, you know, it's uh, now that, now that you can, you can't do it yourself so we're gonna now have you do it for everyone else that seems like a good idea um our friend harry uh he points out that uh as as we sensed and predicted on this show uh reddict has flipped to auburn um who gets his spot so uh i that's a really fascinating question i think that's one of the better uh mysteries left in the 2024 cycle for Georgia and you you've got Chris Jones mm-hmm. he's one Virginia kid linebacker 
who uh, is built like a kind of old school between the tackles linebacker. And then you got Chris Cole, who is 6'3". I saw the dude at Elite 11. He is a legit 6'3", maybe mm. like 6'3 and a half. Um, mm. And big arms, and he was playing defensive back not that long ago. But he's like blown up over the offseason to 225. And athletically, he looks like he's a freak. Do you take one of them? Do you take both of them? I think Georgia's going to take another inside linebacker. And it seems like Chris sure. Jones, uh, you know, might be that guy very near future. But uh, what do you think about the whole Chris Cole conundrum? Um, man, Chris Cole is, is so interesting, right? So when Riddick flipped, you all of a sudden had a lot of these, um, you know, recruiting experts, recruiting guys, all of a sudden putting in crystal balls and predictions for Chris Cole to go to Georgia. Um, I don't think Chris Cole has made up his mind. I think, um, I think Georgia has a much more likely chance to have Chris Jones commit to Georgia um, in the very near future, um, which may it, I, you know, then you see, does that push Chris Cole somewhere else? Right. Um, because I think that's, what's going to happen. I think Chris Jones is going to commit to Georgia. And then I think Chris Cole uh, will end up going somewhere else, but you never know, man. I mean, I also did not, I did not think that Glenn Schumann was going to pull, Raylan Wilson, CJ Allen, and Troy Bowles all right. in the same class, you know? So um, I think, you know, Georgia can certainly take three if they want to take three. Um, but uh, oh, if you yeah. ask, if you ask me today, I think Chris Jones is going to get a spot. Um, and I think, you know, Chris Jones is a very, you mentioned it built like an old school linebacker, very athletic guy, but I think he brings um, a little bit to that room that, that is, you know, it's missing a little bit in terms of the type of depth that you want sometimes for, you know, some of those particular situational linebacker packages and things like that. So if you look two years from now, um, if you need, you know, somebody in some of these situations, he would be a guy that, that could certainly play that role. Absolutely. Um, okay. Uh, last one of the, of the night here uh so this is kind of a fun question this is from cam uh although i find it extremely unlikely if uga somehow wins this year and next year and four peats would you consider curry the goat if not how much more would he have to do to get that title is curry i'm gonna say i'm gonna say this okay i'm just gonna say this okay here we go if if Kirby Smart, if Georgia four peats, okay, if Georgia wins four national championship, national college football championships in a row uh-huh. with a college football playoff that's four teams, and then meaning that you would have won the first twelve team, the first twelve team college football playoff. If I'm Kirby Smart, I am taking my giant mountain of money, and I'm saying I'm done. I'm 50 years old. Peace out. I'm going to spend time with my kids. I'm going out as a four peat <laughs> champion. Um, I, I mean, people, you know, a, a legitimate three peat has not happened in college football since the 1930s. So if you're able to do that, you're already in, you know, 
Well, and that one wasn't even legitimate, yeah. apparently. It wasn't. Like, no, it was Minnesota. It was before the AP yeah. poll even existed. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so literally, you, if you think about like the traditional way of recognizing national champions, no one has ever three-peated. And so, if you just do that, then I think you're in that you're you're in that category. Um, again, you know, goat is always that's it's always a controversial thing, right? Because at the end of the day, um, there are so many factors, both the style of football is being played, the resources you have available to you, the, you know, um, way that you have the capability to build your staff versus other schools that don't have the capability. So, so goat, you know, I think um, is very subjective. Uh, But if you win four national championships in a row, I don't, I mean, I consider you the goat, but I also would, I would, I would hang it up, man. I would just be like, you know what? (laughs) This is a great ride. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm just, I just think like what could be, do you go for five, right? Like, I think at some point you, you, if you win four in a row, it's like, wait a second. Uh, you know, but I know Kirby smart. I, I, I do think Kirby smart, um, is going to coach, uh, 10 more years. And then my, my, my thing is, I think he's going to put 10 more years in and then hang it up. So I think he's going to be a young, which is, uh, you know, yeah, he'd be mm-hmm. late fifties, 57. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's plenty yeah. of time to enjoy the family and yep. the grandbabies and all that good stuff um i think it's mm-hmm. you know like he's already achieved more than 99 percent of the guys that coach in the sport um maybe even more than that but yeah i think if you win four in a row like it, it's it feels so wild to me that i can't really wrap my head around how i would Mm -hmm. think about it honestly uh but i think you'd have the claim of like yeah you know this this guy's the best to ever do it because the organizational consistency and the ability to keep your guys dialed year after year yeah uh, what would be hilarious is to figure out who the like you know there would be guys on that fourth team that were on the 2021 team too, you know, like those guys you, who have four title rings in four years. Could, yeah. Could you imagine? No, you come to I Georgia could. as a recruit. No, no, you can't, but you come to Georgia as a recruit and you leave with four national championship rings. Like, yeah, it's crazy. I don't, I don't know. But yeah, I, um, man, I just don't, we saw, I'll say this. We saw it with Ohio state. I was I was at the game. I know you were at the game. We saw it up close and personal with how fragile this sport is and how yeah. literally things can, you know, hinge on inches, on plays, on one kick going wide left, on a timeout, you know, called at the right time. And so what it takes to win, um, if you can do that four in a row, I think you have to be, I think you have to be the goat, like for what it takes to actually climb that mountain and win one, much less two in a row. But yeah, I, that, that's also why I think it's, I mean, I think it's going to be a lot harder for Georgia to win three in a row than a lot of people are going to make credit for. I think this, I agree. I think it's going to be hard, man. I I just don't, I think Georgia fans should, should buckle up for a, a really good ride in the regular season. And then, Hopefully you've played enough competition and you you're healthy enough and you have enough depth to do it again. But um, I think, I think three Pete is going to be very, very tough. 
Yeah, I think that, you know, the the season for Georgia, I got asked last night, I was on a, I was a guest on a, another podcast and mm-hmm. it was like, well, what's the, you know, what's the biggest thing that would keep Georgia from three-peating? And it's like, dude, there's not any one like football reason really, you know, it's like I could come up with like, how does Mike Bobo transition or, you know, mm-hmm. like, I don't know what Carson Beck looks like in pressure moments when the things aren't going well, like, mm-hmm. and that's all true. But at the end of the day, it's what you just said. Like, it's just that this sport is random as hell and the kids are super young, but they're also phenomenal athletes. And so it, it lends itself to, to crazy swings and like, yeah. you know, it lends itself to plays like the, the kick six and the the prayer at Jordan Hare happening in consecutive ball games, like that 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 happened, you know. And yeah. the last time there was a team that had a chance to go for three straight, it was Alabama in twenty thirteen, and their bid to do that ended on a on kick six, a freaking field goal that was returned for a touchdown. So, no. that's yeah. I mean, if Georgia yeah. does this, honestly, I think like you have to discuss, you know. The, the longevity is not there of Saban, but I think you, you have to really ask yourself, like, is, is this the greatest run that we've seen, you know, is like, cause it's just as good as Saban is and was, there was never the, uh, the organizational continuity to, to try and do three in a row. I mean, they tried to do it, but like to do it. So I think even yeah. if Georgia does three in a row, like that would be, People are talking about like, oh, that's just, mm-hmm. oh, that, that's just something that's going to happen almost. But like, I, I think if if we actually get into the season and Georgia's heading to the college football playoff, and folks really sit down and try and wrap their head around what it actually means, that you'll understand. Like going, you know, you'd probably be talking about Georgia going either forty four and one or forty three and two over a, yeah. a, a forty five game stretch, which is yes, yeah. Just, yeah. And I mean, Clemson, you know, Clemson had, um, again, you know, easy schedule, uh, like Georgia, we can admit it, Georgia's going to have a relatively easy schedule this year. Um, Clemson had one of those and, and, and they couldn't, they couldn't go. Yeah, exactly. And so they, those situations, yeah, where, yeah, twice. Um, but you know, even, even that run, like what Georgia has done where you're, you're 29 and one over the last two seasons, 133 over the last 34, like Clemson did that and still couldn't win back to back, much less three in a row. So, yeah. I mean, it's just hard. It's, Absolutely. it's so hard. So. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. Oh, this is actually a fun question real quick from Greg Rosenberg. If Bo Jackson played college football today, what position would he play? Tight end, edge, inside linebacker? Anything but running back, I think. I'm thinking of Nicholas Harbour as the closest thing to Bo today. Uh, All right, so this is a really good question, Greg. Um, Harbour is nothing like Bo Jackson, just in the sense that nobody is. I mean – Bo Jackson was a, a whole other freak of nature, but mm-hmm. the positional variability you're talking about is pretty fascinating. Um, edge rushers get paid, man, but I don't think Bo is quite tall enough to be an edge. No, rusher. Bo. He he. Well, Bo's six one. He's he was six one, two hundred twenty five pounds. Yeah, he's not playing edge. So he's built. He's built like a running back, <laughs> or, an know, or, or an inside linebacker. Yeah, inside yeah. linebacker. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I think either one of those. Um, but I think Bo, man, I think I think if you take Bo from his college days and placed him now, yeah, I think the dude could tote the rock. I think he would be – I think he absolutely would be a running back. And I think um, – you know, if you had to, if you had to give him another position, then maybe inside linebacker. Um, definitely not tall enough to play tight end these days. Definitely not tall enough to play edge these days. Right. Um, but uh, I would, I mean, I would love to see, I would love to see Bo Jackson line up, prime Bo Jackson lineup uh, as an inside linebacker in one of Kirby Smart's defenses. It would, it would be wild. That would be wild. Um, yeah. That would be crazy. So uh, before we go, uh, we just want to tell you real quick about our friends at Home Field Apparel. I'm wearing a Home Field Apparel shirt right now. It is very soft, cozy, comfortable. John was rocking one on Twitter for Sunday at the British Open. Absolutely. Uh, they make great stuff, um, and they're they're very committed to us at Dog Central and and also to uh, to Georgia. Uh, you know, they they make stuff for every school, but. Uh, Joshua Johns, their head of partnerships and social media, is a UGA alum, and they're they're planning some cool events and such in Athens this fall that we will be a part of. So uh, support us, support them. Go check out homefieldapparel.com. You can use that code on the bottom of the screen there, Dog Central 23 all caps, and uh, get yourself 20% off on your first order. So... John, any closing thoughts before we get out of here? Nope. Homefield comfiest t-shirts of I have in my uh, in my drawers these days. So go do it. Um uh really excited. I mean, we're getting close to we're getting close to football, guys. We are. It is uh it is almost that time. So um Absolutely. really really pumped. Um one thing I will say uh for the folks who are still listening, um how when you're talking about the greatest of all time, where does it fall when you take the one seat that you have in your Mercedes Benz at your spring game and give it to a recruit that is committed to one of your rivals and then flips to your other biggest rival? Um, Nick, Nick Saban had Riddick in his Benz on A-Day oh, and ended up not landing him. So I don't know what that point. says. I don't know. So that'll be my parting thought is uh, if you're talking about, you know, the, this, the status of a program, um, if you've used your passenger seat uh, for one single recruit um, and then he ended up going to uh, flipping from one of your rivals and going to one of your other rivals, not, not a great look. Not my goat. <laughs> Hashtag not my goat. Not my goat. <laughs> I love it.